What does it mean for Christians to be created in the image of God? It starts at a really basic place, and that is of serving people out of recognition that they are made in the image of God. You know, the idea really simply is that what people ought to receive is that there are certain ways that they should be viewed and treated simply because they're people. But I think as Christians, we're called to bring a helping hand to anybody who's in need. So we serve the world around us in whatever way that we can. And we especially show that by caring for one another within the family of God. Welcome to the special Human Dignity series on the Way Home podcast. For the next several weeks, we'd like to highlight topics from my brand new book, The Dignity Revolution, where we focus on exactly what it means to be created in the image of God, what it means both for how we think about ourselves, but also how we think about the world around us. And today I wanted to bring on the podcast, my friend, Rick Smith. Rick is the founder of a new ministry called Hope Story that I think is a really interesting and important service to medical professionals and to parents who receive a diagnosis uh, of Down syndrome uh, with their children. So this will be a really good and important discussion about human dignity and about how Christians can help lead this conversation. Before we jump into this interview, I'd like to let you know that the Dignity Revolution is available for pre-order. And for a limited time, if you pre-order my book, we'd like to give you a free one-year subscription to Light Magazine. This is a terrific magazine that comes out twice a year and features really original and fresh essays and articles and interviews about important topics to the Christian life. So go to my website, danieldarling.com, click on the image for the Dignity Revolution, and you'll have instructions there on how you can pre-order my book and also get a free subscription to Light Magazine. Rick, thanks for joining the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. So Rick, I've been following you for many years. I think on Twitter and just kind of following your story, just so compelling about your son and 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 some of the things you've you've really shared and I think help people that that have children who have disabilities. But for people who don't know who Rick Smith is, can you share a little bit about your story and and how disability activism, if you want to call it, has has kind of become a passion for you? Yeah, well, first, um, thank you guys for everything that you do with the ERLC. I know you guys do some really great work, so I appreciate voices in our culture like you guys. Um, yeah, so, you know, I am uh, was at Dallas Seminary. I was uh, working on my THM, was a student pastor, thought I would probably do student ministry for my entire life. Uh, my wife was a resident working at an emergency room here in town. And, um, you know, uh, for all intents and purposes, we were a pretty healthy, young, normal, typical couple. Uh, we were, my wife was pregnant with our first son. Uh, everything seemed to be going according to, you know, our plan and our own minds. And, um, she was going in for a C-section. She had some high blood pressure. So she knew we were going to go in on this date to have our son. Uh, I remember us going to a Mexican restaurant the night before Noah was going to be born and even thanking God. I, I feel like I remember thanking God for having a quote unquote healthy baby, normal baby or whatever I said at that time. And uh, little did we know, 24 hours from that point, we would be told that our son was born with trisomy 21, which is Down syndrome. And so actually, we didn't know until several hours um, after he was born that he was born with Down syndrome. And so I I didn't know anything about Down syndrome. Uh, My wife, being a physician, 
did. And so I remember asking her, like, man, is he going to be like Christopher Reeves? And she kind of chuckled, you know, like Christopher Reeves fell off a horse, Rick. And um, I just didn't know anything about Down syndrome. And um, mm. so, and I, and I share that not because there's anything wrong with Christopher Reeves. Christopher Reeves is amazing. I just didn't know what his function was going to be like or, or anything to that, that effect. Although that's a whole other conversation, you know, function doesn't determine worth or dignity, but I just didn't know mm-hmm. what my life as a daddy was going to be. Was he ever going to play catch with me? Was he going to want to go to New York City with me? That's my, one of my favorite cities. Mm-hmm. Um, I, just, I just didn't know. I, I, I want to talk about that, Rick, because, you know, as we think about human dignity, as we think about what it means to be created in the image of God, I think for parents, you know, even Christian parents who, you know, we believe this idea of what Genesis one and two say about what it means to be human. But there is a sense, right, that we want our babies to sort of be in our, at least what we idealize, sort of perfect, healthy. And in a sense, don't we sort of diminish the humanity of, say, babies with Down syndrome when we kind of say in our minds, well, we hope we hope this isn't ours or, you know, sort of the way that we think about these things? Yep. You know, in fact, now that we have a son with Down syndrome, we have two other children um, that, that do not have Down syndrome, that um, came after Noah, that God blessed us with. And, and really our prayers changed. Um, we went from saying, dear Lord, you know, pray for this little baby to be healthy. You know, we might have said that, but we, what we said was, what, what our, how our prayer changed was, Lord, whatever you have for us, prepare us for whatever you have for us. Not, hey, make my baby healthy. Um, you know, that's our will. Of course, we want our kid to be uh, healthy. And Noah is very much healthy. Noah's not sick. He doesn't have the flu. Um, but we would pray. But our prayers changed to, Lord, help us just be ready for whatever you have for us. Um, and so now when we hear people pray, um, you know, people that have new babies, they, they pray, hey, Lord, let my baby be healthy. You know, I don't go in there and, and interrupt their prayer, but I think, man, you know, the, the better prayer, and it's okay to pray, mm-hmm. Lord, here's my plan. But I think as believers, we need to also say, Lord, this is my plan, but you may have another plan for my life. And so help me prepare for whatever you have in store for me. Mm-hmm. And what we have to do is we make these imaginary kids up in our mind. And not just with Down syndrome, we just make these imaginary scenarios up for our kid. And then if God has another plan for our kid, we, we get disappointed or frustrated or sad. And God's like, hey, wait a minute, you, that kid never existed. That was an imaginary kid in your mind that, that you made up. Yeah. And we say things like, well, like normal kids versus sort of children with Down syndrome or children with some kind of disability as, again, as, as if the standard for for full dignity is, what you know, sort of what we've defined it. How has this experience, you know, what has it taught you, Rick, in terms of what, uh, as parents, number one? Number two, what are some of the challenges? I mean, you're not just a parent of a child with Down syndrome, but you, you also were in a leadership role in a, you know, in a very influential church there in Dallas-Fort Worth. And so just sort of talk about what it's taught you about about yourself and about parenting and, and maybe about some of the challenges parents with children with Down syndrome face? Yeah, great question. I mean, I, le- I, I, th- I feel like I've learned a lot along the way. You know, we, um, shortly after Noah was born, I learned that over, depending on what study you read, over 60% of children prenatally diagnosed with Down syndrome are mm-hmm. aborted. And so, um, you know, I can barely even say that sometimes about choking up. Like, mm-hmm. Every time you see one kid mm-hmm. like Noah, or you see someone with Down syndrome in public, you need to think, Man, there's two other people that never made it out of the womb because mm. their parents took their life simply on the fact that they had more chromosomes than us. 
And so I learned that fact and I just go, man, what? That's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, that's crazy. I said, this is in America. We're not a third world country. This is America. We're systematically killing people that have Down syndrome. And so you just go, man, what do I do about this? So we, we had this idea that if people could come into our house and see Noah, moms that have children with Down syndrome could see Noah or, or prenatal diagnosis, they would go, wow, you guys really aren't that sad. You guys seem to be pretty normal. Um, and so we couldn't obviously let every family in the world into our house. So we started a blog called noahsdad.com. Mm. We started sharing his story. That, that blog, that, that's a whole other crazy story. It ended up uh, sort of blowing up a little bit. Um, we have a Facebook page that has over 200,000 people that like that page. And people started watching his story, which led to, to what I do today. And I, we'll get into that later. But what it, what it has taught me is, is, man, number one, God is the one writing the story for your life. And mm. we make plans and, and we go, man, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. And this is what my family is going to look like. Um, but we've got to hold our plans really loosely. And mm. we got to know, man, God is in control. And not only is he in control, but the way that he's writing the story for your life is way better than any story you could have written. Because honestly, man, I would have never said, you know what? I'm going to, dear Lord, let me have a child with Down syndrome. Uh, give me a child with Down syndrome and I will praise you, oh God, forever. I, I never wrote that in my journal. And God said, hey, you know what? I've got a plan for your life, Rick, that you're never going to, you, you, Rick, in your small mind would have never wrote this for your life. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a Noah. I'm going to entrust you with a Noah. And uh, that's my son's name. And I want you to see that I'm good and I'm wise and I want you to steward his story. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I share that with your listeners to go, man, whatever you're going through today, whatever uh, challenges life may have for you or just the story of your life going differently than what you thought it would go, man, you can trust God in that, man. He knows, he knows what he's doing. And if you trust him, he, he's got a better story for you than you could ever write on your mm. own. That's really good. And for a long time, you served, I think it was director of digital media at Watermark Church there in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And uh-huh. I'm sure people know you because if anybody has ever gone on YouTube and seen those excellent Real Truth Real Quick segments that you guys do, mm-hmm. which are really excellent, you know, questions and answers Thank about you. all kinds of things. So that that's that's how you'll know Rick. If you're thinking, man, I... I know Rick from somewhere. I'm like, that's probably where you know him from. But now you've, uh, you know, God's called you into a new season of ministry of advocacy for Down syndrome children. So you want to ex- kind of explain that transition and what your passion yeah. is here? Yeah, I mean, um, first of all, yeah. So we still go to Watermark. We're we're um, Watermark is just an. I mean, you know, I'm a little biased, but it's just an, God's God in His kindness and, and grace is doing some really great things through Watermark. So we're um, still very much involved in, at Watermark. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, just kind of the story over the last couple of years, um, you know, I'll save you the backstory, but uh, May 1st of this year, I transitioned out of Watermark and started, um, we'd started it a little while back, but started transitioning out of Watermark. And then now we're working on an organization called Hope Story. And it's hopestory.org. And um, here's the two problems we're trying to solve. The two problems are that most medical professionals, or a lot of medical professionals, there's some really great medical professionals out there, but they don't get a lot of training in medical school, is my belief, on how to, how to deliver a Down syndrome diagnosis to a family, how to deliver mm-hmm. that kind of difficult news to a family. And they also don't have a personal relationship with anyone with Down syndrome. That's my guess. And so you've got someone that doesn't have a lot of training on how to deliver that news, someone that doesn't know anyone like my son, 
and they're delivering this life-changing news to a family, and they have such an incredible amount of influence in the way that they deliver that, that news. And tragically, what we know statistically is that over 60% of the people that they choose to deliver that news to in the life of their child, they take the life of their child away from them in the womb. And so what we want to try to do is help those medical professionals deliver that diagnosis. And so we have this organization called Hope Story, and the idea is that every single family that, have a, that has a child with Down syndrome and that child, they're a story of hope to someone else. And so what we want to do is we want to – the problem about abortion, Dan, is that we don't, we don't even know who, who commits abortion. We don't even know who's having abortions because they're done so quickly. They're done in the darkness. People go do them, and then, they, and then you, know, you can get in and out, I think, in a day. And, and they don't tell anyone. They, you know, they're, they're shamed mm-hmm. by it, mm-hmm. which is tragic because we know that God's grace can forgive them for that. Mm-hmm. But we don't know. And so what we want to do is we want to catch people, connect with people before they go to that clinic. And so we want to connect every OBGYN in America to a family raising a child with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. We call those families hope advocates. Mm-hmm. And those hope advocates, we, tr- we will give them training resources. We will equip them. We will give them tools. And they will, we, and then the, the other thing that we do is we, we, they come to our, they'll be able to come to our website, upload a photo of their child, tell us some information about their child. We create these really beautiful looking photo cards of their child with the picture on the front, information on the back, along with these Hope Advocate business cards that has their picture on that with their contact info. They take that information to their OBGYN along with some training resources on how to deliver a Down syndrome diagnosis. And they say to their doctor, hey, I'm a Hope Advocate with Hope Story. Here's a picture of my child. I'm gonna, I have the opportunity to give you a new one of these cards every year so you can kind of watch my child grow up. But the sweet spot, the, the secret sauce, so to speak, is they're going to give their doctor this, this card. And they're going to say, hey, if you ever have a patient with a prenatal diagnosis or really even any diagnosis of Down syndrome, you can give them my card and I'm equipped and mm-hmm. able and on standby, ready to take their phone call and be a story of hope to your patient. And so they become a resource to their to their practice. Mm. That's really good. I mean, you know, there's just a huge incentive and push for the medical community to encourage abortion here. You're catching someone at a time of extreme vulnerability. They're hit with the shocking news, and there's a sort of convenient way to take, quote, take care of this problem. And it's really sad. I think you said the number was 65% or 70% of um, Down syndrome abortion diagnoses result in abortion. And um, do you think that that parents choose that because they don't know that there's other options or that there's going to be a community that's willing to help them raise that child or that there's a sort of a beauty in a life that God may do with them when they hear that? Man, you know, I, I think, Dan, I think that there are, I think there's a lot of things at play there. One, I think most people in America are, they live in isolation. They're not connected in community to other people in their life who they can, who can speak truth into their life. So I think people are isolated. So if you're isolated, and in by isolation, I don't mean you're a hermit living in your own basement. I mean, you keep really, really surface level conversations. You don't let people into your life. You, Every time someone says, hey, how you doing? You say, I'm fine, even though you're struggling. You don't, you know, you, you don't let people into what's currently going on into your life. And so what happens is you're in a vacuum. Your doctor gives you this news. They're a medical professional. They have some authority, in a sense, in your life. There are, and if they already seem negative about it, and then you go to Google and you type in, hey, I, you know, 
what am I going to do? And you, you get on some forum that is ran by people who also are isolated and not connected to any other people. And certainly for the most part, probably not using God's word as their standard in which to do life. You go, man, then it just makes sense to me to go down to a clinic, have this quote unquote procedure and, and try again. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. people do. And they go, you know, I, I can't do this. This is, uh, this is not the kid. I kind of goes back to what you're saying or what we were talking about earlier. People go, this isn't the kid that I dreamed about in my mind, which is also a misnumber, right? Cause it's like, man, look, your kid may not grow up with down syndrome, but there's no guarantees about what your child's going to be like for any of us, no matter if they have 21 chromosomes or not three copies of their 21st chromosome or not. There's no guarantees what your child's going to be like. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's this idea of this isn't what I, and, and at the end of the day, and I say this with grace and compassion because I get it. It's sort of selfish. You know, you go, hey, mm. this isn't what I wanted. This isn't the child that I wanted. And, um, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm going to have this, have this procedure. And, you know, the bigger picture obviously is, is, is life. You know, you and I believe that life begins in the womb, that little baby, that little, you know, the beginning of conception, that little, that little baby uh, in your womb is a live human being. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people in our culture probably don't believe that either. And so that, that's kind of the bigger picture is, man, that's a, that's a human life inside of you. Yeah. And I was thinking of you actually when, I think it was a couple months ago, when there was a, a really disturbing column in the Washington Post by Ruth Marcus, and she talked about aborting her Down syndrome child and, and how she was at peace with it and actually it was a beautiful thing that she did and and it was it just made a lot of us recoil and I'm sure for someone like you it was pretty disturbing. Yeah, I mean, you know, you 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 um you know you hear people say things, I think people say things like, hey, it, you know, I, I'm doing this, you know, and I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but I'm doing this child a favor by not allowing them into the world to suffer. And it's like, man, I've never met anyone with Down syndrome that has said man, you know what? I, I really wish my parents would have taken my life. You know, mm-hmm. like I've never met anyone that has said that, you know, and it's like, you, you know, and, and, and I get it, man, you know, we, we get it, man. People, people, you, you got to say stuff like that to be able to sleep at night, you know? And what I want to tell people out there that may be listening to this, that, you know, even maybe they're a believer and at some point in their life, they made the choice to end the life of their baby in the womb. And man, I just want to tell them, man, that there is so much grace that God has you know, there's, there's forgiveness found in Jesus. He can redeem your story. He can use your story. You don't have to be ashamed by your story, but what you can't do is pretend that wasn't a baby. You know, Todd Wagner says, Hey, we, you know, I've heard him say on mother's day before, you know, that just because you ended the life of your child doesn't not make you a mother anymore. You know, you're still a mother. And what you got to know, man, is that God can forgive you and he can use that, that choice that you made in your life. God can bring good out of that. You know, he can, he can use your story to help other people. And so, man, if you're listening to this, there, there's no shame, man. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. God can, not only can he forgive you, but he can use your story to help other women that, that may be considering that, that choice as well. Well, Rick, I, I am really appreciative of your ministry. I think it's, um, in many ways, it's a unique and needed approach that I don't think too many people have thought of, of how do we come alongside healthcare professionals who really face a difficult job trying to deliver that diagnosis and and sort of be an advocate 
to them and and possibly to parents to say, hey, you can choose life and you can do this and it can actually be a really wonderful thing. So I just really want to salute you on that and hope people really pay attention to Hope Story, this, this great ministry. We'll put links to your ministry in our show notes. But I want to end by just asking you if you could speak to pastors and church leaders to give them any just coaching and advice on creating cultures in their church that really respect and really teach a, you know this idea of human dignity, particularly towards those in the kingdom of God that uh, have disabilities and don't maybe have full cognitive functions or, or, or things like that, that. What's some advice you would give? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So um, I think the main thing that you got to realize is that I think sometimes what we do, and we don't mean to do this, but we kind of go, hey, the standard of what, quote unquote, the standard of normalcy is, let's say I have an IQ of whatever, that, you know, 75 or 100 or whatever. And if anyone is below that, so if you're a 40, a 30, a 20, if your intellectual IQ is down here, then there's this big gap between us. And so you're sort of broken and I'm sort of the measuring rod, but, but where that breaks down is nowhere in scripture are, are you and I the measuring rod for anything. And the gap between our knowledge and our intellect and God's is so much bigger than the gap between us and someone like my son. And so when we think like that, we go, man, we're all quote unquote, you know, intellectual disabled, so to speak, compared to the infinite knowledge of God. So, so that God is our standard. And so we, so with that in mind, we got to say, Hey, there's not that much difference between me and someone with Down syndrome. We're all created in the image of God and all of us are infinitely intellectually disabled, so to speak, when you compare God's infinite knowledge. And so you got to remember these are, these folks like my son, they're part of the body of Christ. They're, they're, they're part of our family. And so obviously when they're children and then, you know, we get obviously get into the whole conversation about salvation and all that, but I mean, if these folks are in your in your in your church and you have kids of uh, families in your church, you've got to find ways to bring them into your church. What you don't want to do is send them to the basement with animal crackers and Kool Aid for an hour and hire a babysitter. That that would be a disservice. And so your church has to look for ways to include children uh, and, and adults, not just not just kids, because these kids are going to grow up to be adults and they're going to want to find ways to serve and use their gifts in your church because they have gifts. And so you, what we've got to do is find ways to include kids in our church. Our church, Watermark, I think they do a really great, I think they do this really well. I think other churches do this really well. But my guess is there's a lot of churches out there that don't. And, and all that to say, it's not hard. What you've got to do is go, man, how can we include kids and adults with special needs into our normal services, our normal you know, inclusive, because what happens if you separate them and you put them into another room, another place, and again, some kids have different needs and, and you got to take care of needs on an individual basis. But as a whole, you should be looking for ways to include. So, because what happens is you want other members in your church to not be afraid or scared when they see someone like my son, you want them to, to feel like, okay, cool. This is just part of the family. And in a family, you got people mm-hmm. with different needs and different personalities and and that's what a family is and so you want to bring look for ways to bring them into your church family that's really great that's a really great advice and great encouragement well rick thank you so much uh, for joining us today and thank you for the work that you're doing well thank you thanks for having me for caring about 
uh, this topic. And man, as believers, I hope we're caring about the lives of those babies in the womb because God cares about them. Thank you for listening to The Way Home Podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please let us know by writing a review on iTunes. You can catch previous episodes on danieldarling.com. The Way Home is produced by Gary Lancaster and scheduling by Marie Delph. The Way Home is a production of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention.